the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Today, hookers for Jesus. How's that for a tease? Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Annie Lobert, welcome to the podcast. You know, when my producer pitched to me hookers for Jesus, I said, let's do it. Just, I, I think that 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 title alone of your nonprofit is is a grabber, you know. And and I know people can find you at hookersforjesus.net, right? Dot net. That's correct. Okay, tell us what this organization does. I love that you love the name, Michelle, because <laughs> this is definitely a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and right now. This is a thing that's happening. Trafficking is becoming a super popular topic across not just the United States, but the entire world. So basically, Hookers for Jesus is we are fishing for people that are drowning in the dark waters of sex trafficking. That's what we do. It's it's fishing like a fish hook. Get it? And some people say, well, do you literally mean hooker? Like, no, I don't. But if you're taking it that way, that is your brain telling you what I'm trying to say. But that's okay because it's marketing. At the same time, it's a definition of something that we've all been culturally taught to believe that hookers are bad people, that hookers are prostitutes, that hookers are lowlifes, and they are a stigma. And that's not true, Michelle. It's just not. So we're well, here to break that stigma. And, and you, are, you are speaking from a place of experience. How did you, how did you first get drawn into sex work? So that's the other thing. When you say sex work, what do you mean? For me personally, when I was first brought into the sex industry, I did consider it sex work because I believe wholeheartedly I have a right to sell my body. I have a right to take my clothes off. I have a right to get paid to do it and a right to have sex for money. Now my mind is a lot different and my experience changed my mind because the whole background of someone that gets into the sex industry is a little complicated. Probably between 90 to 95 to 98%, there's different types of research that's been done of people that enter the sex industry were sexually abused as children first. So you have that geome in the background, that basically that history of trauma that's happening. And I just don't mean regular trauma, Michelle. I mean, complex trauma, because when you're being sexually abused or even just having an abusive family, our family model that we had growing up, my father would hit my mother in front of us children, yell at her, call her different names, pull guns out. He was a man that was in the air force, but got let go after a few years because he drank too much. So my dad had a lot of abusive psychopathic tendencies that I witnessed as a child. I could never escape. 
And then, like I told you, the sexual abuse happened not with my father, but with some next door neighbors for several years when I was eight and nine years old. And then when I was 14, I got raped by a 23 year old that was on a motorcycle that used to visit our high school. I went to a small high school in Wisconsin that had 48 people in the graduating class. So all those different experiences, including not being able to leave my home, watching my dad abuse my mother and abuse us children, yell at us, hit us. I was in a place where complex trauma got formed. Complex trauma and other traumas are different because a trauma that happens like a car accident, a death, maybe even a rape is something you could leave and escape and recover from. But when you're in a situation where you're in an abusive home or you're being sexually abused over and over and you can't escape, this is what forms complex trauma in our brain. And our, our frontal cortex becomes minimized and our amygdala, which is the middle part of our brain that processes all of our feelings and our, our excited experiences, our good and bad, happy feelings, that becomes magnified and our responses become very emotional. And so guess what? As a young girl, we're teenagers, we're super like, we want to be loved. We want to look pretty. We want to be accepted. This is how I lived my life growing up. Mm-hmm. Never thinking, hey, I'm promiscuous. Hey, that's why I got raped because maybe because I made myself available. This is my fault. No, actually, I became victimized. And these men hunted me because they saw something in my eyes or the way I held myself or carried myself or spoke that made them think, hey, I can get away with this if I rape her, if I take advantage of her. So what changed? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. What brought you to where you are now? So this is the the part that gets super exciting, like the movie part, right? (laughs) Where you're like, well, how did you get into sex industry? How did you get into sex work? And I say this not in a light way, but I say this in a very profound way to, to explain to people. It was a circumstantial part of my life. I had complex trauma. I didn't have money growing up. I wanted to go to college. So my girlfriend and I, when we were teenagers, we both had jobs. I moved back to Minneapolis where I was actually born and I got three jobs and I was very excited about my future. I wanted to be a corporate businesswoman, which I am now, which is really amazing, right? I finally reached my goal. However, I was overworked, underpaid, went to a nightclub one night. These two men bought us drinks and they had money. We could tell they were dressed to the nines. My girlfriend starts dating one of the men. He bought her a diamond ring. It was huge, Michelle, like probably four or five carats of Mm. one diamond. Mm -hmm. I told her to go to the jeweler, get it checked. It was absolutely real. We didn't know it at the time, but he was actually a sex trafficker. 
He lied and said he owned property, that he sold real estate, and he actually had a car lot where he sold cars. And my girlfriend flies to Hawaii with him, calls me up probably a couple months later and says, come to Hawaii. There's a lot of money here, a lot of money to be made. You need to just like check this out. And she never told me that she was selling her body. She just said, hey, you get the money and then you run out of the room, take your clothes off. You just kind of just trick the guy a little bit. Get it? Mm -hmm. Trick. And so when I went to Hawaii, the first day that I was there, I turned my first trick with her and they were Japanese men. And I had to speak Japanese to do it, by the way. And how did you, how did you learn Japanese that quickly? Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you repeat after me? Asobini. I'm not sure I want to say this. <laughs> what is It's you not say? bad. Don't worry. Asobini. Aso, asobini. Ikimasho. Ikimasho. So what I just said to you is, do you want to come with me and play? And ah. in Japanese, and you're a woman and you're sexy and you approach a Japanese man, he figures it out really fast that you are selling yourself okay. for sexual play. So that's how I learned Japanese. I just needed that one line to the, to the, to the initial intro to the men. But I wasn't dating any white guys, black guys, uh, anyone that wasn't Japanese. They had to be Japanese. Even Chinese, like the Japanese had all the money and they were the most polite. That's part of the culture, by the way. I went back to Minnesota after my two-week vacation, saved a bunch of money, did not have a trafficker, did not have a boyfriend uh, that was taking my money. I did have a boyfriend that I just broke up with that was in the Air Force, believe it or not, repeating the same cycles, right? Interesting. Boyfriend's in the Air Force. <laughs> he moved back to LA, which he were originally, he was stationed in LA where he was from. And I thought if I could get money, I could go see him. I was so in love with the Michelle. Like my heart was broken because mm. he had left and he had been in Minnesota for two years and I just wanted to see him. So I took that money and got a ticket and went and saw him. But at the same time, I quit three of my jobs. I started working escort services in Minnesota. The money wasn't as good as Hawaii. I had two men that tried to kill me. One pulled a barrel shotgun on me. Another one pulled a machete and raped me. And I thought, forget this. I'm going to become an exotic dancer now because I will be able to pick out my buyers, my clients. So that's what I did. And even though that seemed like a safer option, it wasn't. Because guess what? The man that ended up trafficking me in Las Vegas months later became my pimp, AKA trafficker. Mm -hmm. The first night that I brought him to Las Vegas, I met him in the nightclub, by the way, at the strip club that I was working at. I trusted him. I didn't know he was a trafficker. He told me he was a drug dealer. And I was like, oh, you can't do that anymore. You can't be a drug dealer. Let me help you. You know what I'm doing for a living? This is how I make my money. Maybe I could help you. So my idea brought him to Las Vegas. First night that I worked, he beat the living you-know-what out of me and demanded that I hand him over every single dollar for the rest of my years working and that he was in control, no bank account for me, no identification for me. I had a cell phone, a car to get to my calls, and he was going to control my life. I wasn't allowed to visit my parents, be around any of my friends. He isolated me. He emotionally abused me. He physically abused me. He took all my money. He basically used coercion and falsehoods and manipulation and brainwashing to make me feel that I could never do any better than him.
He made me believe the police were against me. I was the one breaking the law. He never mentioned pimping and pandering or trafficking, but that's what he was doing. And so hook, line, and sinker, I believed him. But I also, which is such the craziest part about this entire situation, I was in love with him and mm -hmm. I wanted to change him. Oh. I wanted to make him a square. Do you know what that means? A, a so normal, nice you're a square. Person? <laughs> Someone yeah. that has a job that's legal. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, okay. That's a square. Yeah. I'm square. Yeah. Yeah. You're square. <laughs> and so, I, and I used to be, <laughs> well, you, it, are, would you say you are now? Yes. So I that's am. that you sound like you were in a, a place that sounds inescapable in a way. So how absolutely, did you escape? how did you escape? So that guy, the first guy I actually had to sneak out and plan my escape. I left him twice, went back to him twice. So mm -hmm. I left him three times, actually. Three times I had to leave because the final time I never went back. But guess what? Because I was so angry, I was with him for five years of all the money, millions of dollars, Michelle, millions. Mm -hmm. Las Vegas, high-class escorting. We're not talking $100 tricks. Right. I mean, oh my gosh. Agency fee alone was 150 to 250. That's just right. the agency fee, not my tips above and beyond that. So, so I had the escort service, him, the valet drivers, the bartenders, the concierge, everyone's getting their cut. They're all pimping me, all yeah. of them. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, I have to make this money back. I am going to stay in the industry. I won't have a pimp, but guess what? I met a man. He was a dancer at a club. Believe it or not, he was in a very famous show here in Las Vegas. And I told him, hey, check this out. I just left this very violent man. And I see that you like me and, you know, you're telling me you're in love with me now. So we're dating. Why don't you pretend that you're my pimp? I'm going to meet you at the Shark Night Club. I'm going to hand you a big wad of money when I get off work. And then you just take it and put it in your pocket in front of the other pimps. We'll do this a couple times to let them know, hey, she chose up with another pimp. Leave her alone. Don't mess with her. Don't mm -hmm. chase her. Don't stalk her. Don't try to beat her down. And don't try to come to me and tell me that's my girl. Because Did guess it work? what? In the, yes. In the pimping game, if you take someone's girl, you have to give them a choosing fee. And that's anywhere from five to 10 to 20,000 or more dollars. Yeah. Anyone who thinks this isn't a, an industry is sorely mistaken. This is all This is human trafficking. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. human trafficking. You're selling a human being. Now, I don't have tattoos. And back when, where I come from, it was the eighties, early nineties. We didn't really identify with tattoos. Now women are getting branded left and right yeah, with the person's I've, name on them. That. I know yeah. you probably heard about it, but yeah. I never had that happen. I finally left this second pimp because he really became my pimp after that. Uh -huh. After I gave him the permission to act like one, he started really doing it. Yeah. He started holding me hostage. He put bars on our windows. He wouldn't let me go to work unless he said it was time for me to go to work. Then he would stalk me from call to call and spy on me and take the money and, and just crazy stuff. In fact, to me, that trafficker was more brainwashing than the first one. It's, I really it's love all, the second one as well. Yeah, but it's all brutal. But so how do you, how do you finally years. extricate yourself? <laughs> so on that particular situation, my brother... My little brother showed up with a shotgun to my house. I had a moving truck. 
And even though I was moving furniture that wasn't worth anything because he sliced it up with knives, he sliced up my pink Natuzzi leather couches, uh, broke my television, uh, wrecked my bedroom set, uh, drilled, put a bunch of drill holes in it. It's a very expensive Italian bedroom set that had lights on it. It wasn't worth anything by then, but to me, it was just the point of me just getting something out of the house. Mm -hmm. My brother showed up with the shotgun and waited for me to move my stuff out in front of him. He videotaped me, my ex-trafficker videotaped me leaving and was laughing. Maybe he thought I was going to press charges. I have no idea. What I do know is this, that night I got really drunk. I got really high off cocaine. I felt so guilty for leaving him. See, he used to tell me he would take the gun and spin the barrel and click it and do Russian roulette with me. Yeah, yeah. And tell me if you leave, I'm going to kill myself. So I oh. had that on my shoulders. It was just horrific. Yeah. It was very psychopathic and yeah. sociopathic. Completely manipulative. Co- yes. Combined. Combined. Yeah. And so if you've ever been in a DV relationship and domestic violence relationship, you would know that some of these things is what domestic violence, how it happens and how women get stalked. And even sometimes men get stalked as well. But I finally cut the ties and I was with this new guy. I met a man on a call. He was one of my dominance clients. I don't want to say client, but maybe buyer trick. And he showed me how to run a business. And I worked at his company, fixing cars, painting cars, body shop work, all that. And I ended up doing business with him with another Japanese company. By the way, he was third generation Japanese. Funny, right? Weird. He could speak Japanese too. He and I ended up breaking up. And at the end of my stint with him, I was probably with him almost six years. I ended up overdosing on cocaine, even though I quit drugs when I first got with him in 1998, I quit drugs in 1999. I picked cocaine back up in 2003 and I got back into the industry. I got triggered because I'm just going to keep it real with you. I busted him calling an escort service Mm. and it broke my heart Mm -hmm. for his friends. He said it was for his friends, Japanese friends. And I just was like, no, it wasn't for you. And oh my gosh, I've never told anyone this story. Oh, I hope he never sees this. Anyway, <laughs> that's not even in the book. I was so brokenhearted and I overdosed after eight months of nonstop cocaine abuse, nonstop, Michelle. Like it was horrible. But that day, August 2nd, 2003, I was laying there, the ambulance was coming and I, literally saw my body in a coffin. I went blind, but I know that God, he like took me somewhere else besides my body to show me something. And it scared me so deeply because I saw my mom walking towards the coffin and all the people that I loved going to my funeral, shaking their head saying she was just a prostitute and we didn't even know it. She tricked us and it, it just floored me. I, it's, something in me rose up in me because I went to church as a little girl. I said a prayer to Jesus when I was five. I never forgot that. So I cried out to Jesus. And here we are. And that was August 2nd, 2003. I started doing outreach the first time, writing the plan for the outreach in 2004. And in 2005, did our first outreach on the strip as Hookers for Jesus, filed for the nonprofit eventually 2006, 2007. And then got our first house for women, Destiny House, opened up in 2008. 
and we've never stopped since. We it's, help women go from eight, point A to Z. We stay with them their entire life. It's a life plan. Basically, they come to us completely just victimized and broken, and they need help escaping their trafficker, getting on their feet, a shelter, clothing, food, counseling, life skills, record sealing, court cases solidified and finished that they're going through wow. from being arrested a lot and just rebuilding their reputation, helping them go to college, helping them get their GED if they need it, giving the vocational skills. We have partners in our city that we work with that help them get college scholarships, which is amazing, up to twenty to $25,000 each. That's and it's amazing. just beautiful because you get to see these women come from the worst imaginable place going into a brand new life that's filled with promise, fulfillment, and wholeness. And I love what I do because I am one of the girls. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do this the right way, you do this with a trauma-informed heart, I, and what I mean by that is, is simply treat everyone with dignity, respect, and love you can really make an impact. We were doing this before anybody was, by the way. We're the first survivor-led safe house in the country. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible. I, I commend you. What a story, what a life story. And Thank here you, you are making such a difference for so many women. If people want to help, what can they do? They can go to hookersforjesus.net and just read and then click on donate. We also have another house called Dream House that we just opened for graduates of Destiny House. And that house is, it's more like job readiness and college education. So they've already done a lot of healing and they live by themselves at this point. They're roomies now. And it's really amazing what, what God's doing. Uh, they can also go to pinkchair.org because that is also a way to get to our website if they are af like afraid to click hookersforjesus.net. Okay. Because sometimes we know, yeah, pinkchair.org. Okay. Okay. Because I'm sitting in the pink chair right now. I have a little TV show called Annie's Pink Chair, and it's where we bring people uh, to interviews that are very interesting and girls that like me that used to be in the industry. And I mean, even people like you, Michelle, you could come on our show. I would so. be honored. Uh, I, I congratulate you, Annie. It's thank it's, you. You truly are doing God's work. There's no way around that. And uh, I appreciate and, and it. We need people like you. So pinkchair.org or go to hookersforjesus.net. That's correct. Out. All right. Thank, Annie, you. thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well. And like you Annie, too. you know, it just takes a little bit of courage and the desire to do good. So be brave, do good, and we'll see you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.